Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. In 1998, I went to Lagos, Nigeria. And while I was there, God finally nailed me. And I was nailed to the cross that was it, I was going to preach. And I remember looking up at the sky in Nigeria saying, God, I will do it. I'll do whatever you say. And God began to deal with me from then on that this is going to involve death. You're going to have to die. If you're going to stay faithful, you're going to have to disappear. You're going to have to become invisible. I want to preach on the joy of the invisible. The joy of being the invisible man. Amen. Matthew 25, 34, this is Jesus Christ addressing his servants. This is the final moment between him and his people. And he says, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Amen. Father, help us in this place, to understand, God, what it means to truly follow you, to truly become invisible, to become someone who's faithful to the very end. I pray your anointing will be upon me right now. I pray minister through me, touch every heart in this place, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember after this period in 1998, I remember uh, uh, going back to Walthamstow, and uh, there was a visiting group of people from America, and one of them was a singer. And this girl could sing, and uh, I was on staff in Wolfenstow, so my job, I was the roadie. So I'm, I'm doing the boxes, and, you know, for once, I'm not the center of attention. And I believe this was very much coincided with my decision in Nigeria. As soon as I come back to England, I'm the roadie. God's testing me. He wants to see, what are you going to do now? And so I'm pushing boxes, I'm, you know, I'm, and my, my flesh hated this. I'm thinking, I can sing. Why can't I sing? But my spirit was loving it. My spirit was saying, this is powerful. This girl can sing. These people, and at the end of it, my spirit got its reward. People were saved. There was many people saved. And from that moment on, I began to take my place amongst the invisible men and women of our fellowship. I quickly realized something, though. Spirit loves to be invisible, to see other people raised up, to watch people enter their destiny. The Spirit loves to be in the background and watch people move up and say, wow, look at that person. He was a drug addict, and now look at him. The Spirit loves this, but the flesh always is there, always trying to stand in front of everything and go, actually, I'm here. And um, to, be, to be quite brutal and blunt, 
There were, there were people. Anyway, I don't want to go too far into this, but there was, a, there, was a, there was a period in our fellowship when it seemed to me that to be invisible was no longer fashionable. Suddenly it was fashionable to be. And this, this is something I want to address today. See, we emphasize in our fellowship the importance of souls being saved. We emphasize the importance of rejoicing in souls being saved. We focus on that. That's what we're all about. In fact, that's the hallmark of the Potter's House Fellowship. Souls getting saved. Win souls or die trying. That's what we're about. And so there's three parables in Luke which, uh, which explain this. Luke 15, the, the, uh, there's joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents uh, more than over the 99 who remain. Luke 15, there's the parable of the woman who loses the coin. She rejoices because she's found the lost coin. And in Luke 15, 23, there's uh, the prodigal son. Let's celebrate. This son of mine was dead and now he's alive. But who are the 99 sheep? Who are the other coins? Who is the older brother? They're the faithful long-term saints. The faithful long-term pastors who have not gone astray. They've not been involved in any scandal or drama. And the problem is, with all the emphasis on sinners getting saved and redemption, we can sometimes feel of less value, strangely forgotten, strangely invisible. And we need to be able to be invisible. But listen to the words of the prodigal son. Verse 29 of Luke 15. Look. For so many years I've been serving you and you've never neglected, a com- I have never neglected a command of yours and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, who's devoured your wealth for prostitutes, you kill the fat calf for him. He says what many older saints think. I've been faithful, but it seems to be no recognition for my faithful service. It has been said that every person on earth needs three things to keep them going, to keep them faithful. Number one, a sense of belonging. Number two, a sense of self-worth. And number three, a sense of accomplishment. We all need to feel appreciated. And sometimes in the hustle for souls to be saved, we can lose from those around us, even from our pastor, that sense of appreciation for what we do when we are becoming invisible. I want to look at some of the, 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 the symptoms of being invisible. Remember, being invisible is a good thing. Number one, we can, become, we can start to feel dangerously unappreciated. Here I am, says the girl in nursery, looking after this new convert's brat, while everyone fawns over her mother, who doesn't even appreciate me dealing with her kid's stinky nappy, Or we can be the guy who, here I am, dropping this guy home from church. He stinks of drink. He borrows 10 quid off me and he doesn't even pay me back. If we're not careful, we can develop a heart like the older brother. Look, for so many years I've been serving you. I've never neglected one of your commands and you never gave me a young goat. And we can actually get like kids in boot camp. Now, what am I talking about? Let me explain this. Boot camp is a very interesting thing. I remember being there at the development of it and uh, watching the, the, the process of boot camp develop. And I realized that there were some people who started to understand boot camp, some young kids. They started to understand, oh, this is how this game is played, is it? 
So what they started to do was, these bad kids from places like Tottenham would come, amen, with two grand in their back pocket from drug dealing, the latest mobile and a bad attitude, and these kids would come boot camp and uh, uh, myself and uh, uh, Pastor Temple and others uh, would, would scream at them, amen, and cajole them and beat them in secret. <laughs> no one saw, there's no evidence. And we would get these kids to submit themselves to the will of God. And at the end of the week, these kids would stand up and say, I just want to thank uh, uh, Pastor Toppin and Pastor Temple. They really helped me. Thank you. And they would be transformed. And after a while, these little uh, nice kids would suddenly begin to outbad the bad kids. And I began to think, what, what's going on here? And I began to realize what was happening was these good kids from good Christian homes were envious of the attention and input that the bad kids got, and they wanted it for themselves. This can happen amongst us. With an influx of new converts in a church, older saints can begin to act up. With an influx of young pastors who are doing well, older pastors can start creating drama. Why? Because they feel forgotten. They feel passed by. They feel unappreciated. What's happened, though, is this. The older you are in Christ, the more invisible you become, and the more invisible you're meant to become. You're meant to become invisible. In fact, can I throw this in? You're meant to die. You know, because dead men have no ego. Dead men are not looking for attention. Dead men don't care who gets the glory. When someone is dead, they don't care whether they're in the spotlight or not. They're dead. They died with Christ. They're on the cross. It's over for them. And suddenly there's a new group of people. And it's all about these new people. And it needs to be. But very often it isn't. <laughs> Only top in BBC News at 10. <laughs> Christians failing to die. <laughs> See what happens is, right? We're supposed to die so that we can become the servant of others. In our text, Jesus is speaking to his servants. He's speaking to people who will never preach at conference. He's speaking to people who have faithfully served him over many, many years. And he's saying to them, well done. But it's pathetic when a child actor can't grow up, isn't it? Or a page three girl is still trying to look hot at 40. Macaulay Culkin is an actor, right? He did a series of films in the 90s called Home Alone. And this, this was explosive. This was massive. Home Alone was the biggest film of its generation. Macaulay Culkin was an instant superstar at the age of, I don't know, 10 or something. The problem is, when Macaulay Culkin reached the age of, like, 20, nobody wanted him to be an adult. Everybody wanted him to be the cute kid. And he was lost. So he started taking PCP and drugs and heroin. He even did time in jail. Because he refused to become invisible. He refused to die quietly. There's something of this in all of us. Amen. We want to be centre stage. We want to be noticed. And I, and I know a lot about this because I'm coming out of this. This is where I came from. The music business, you're centre stage. You do a video, everyone's there. You've got angles. People from up here are looking at you. People, would you like some orange juice? Would you like a joint? What would you like? Would you like that girl over there? What do you want? You're centre stage. But you see, we need to not be this. 3 John 1.9, 1 
I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. Even the apostles had this in them. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to Jesus and they say, can you give us whatever we ask? What do you want me to do, he says. Let one of us sit on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. We want to be there. We want to be glorified with you. The flesh wants all this. The flesh wants center stage. The flesh wants everyone to notice. But the flesh must die. But it's really, really sad when in leaders... You know, I've seen leaders come and... I've been saved 24 years. I've seen leaders come and go. I've watched people rise up. And I've seen the ones who ain't going to last. They're the ones who are getting off on being famous. Someone mentions their name and everyone goes, yeah, and they go, you ain't going to last, bro. You, you need to learn to die. You ain't going to last, man. You're getting off on... This is like a drug for you. And you know what? One day, there's going to be no attention. What are you going to do? You're going to be like a page free girl still trying to be hot at the age of 40. Die. <laughs> Amen. Die. You see, but when people won't die, when their flesh resents the lack of attention, they begin to even sabotage younger saints. Listen to this little story. 1 Kings 13, 14. Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back with you. Nor can I eat bread or drink water, I have been told by the Lord. You must not eat bread or drink water until you return by the way you came. The older prophet answered, I too am prophet, as you are. And an angel said to me, by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. And you know the story. He goes back to his house, eats bread, drinks water. And the prophet suddenly really does prophesy, you're going to die. He comes out of the house, walks down the road, a lion eats him. And this is sometimes, you know, I know no one here would do that, would they? I mean, why would someone do that? Why would you sabotage the ministry of someone else? Why would you do that? Jealousy, desire to be visible, hatred of being invisible. This is a picture of older pastors seeking to sabotage newer, successful pastors with a word of wisdom, brother. Listen, man, right now, they don't need your wisdom. They just need to be what they are, do what they're doing. You know, when I see these young guys going out, we had 75 people in our first service. I say, you know what, thank God. Glory to God. That's what we need. Is that not what we want? But often, people can become envious of this. Philosopher George Santayana said these words. The highest form of vanity is the love of fame. The love of fame comes upon a futile mind. See, when a mind is futile, and it has no purpose, no direction for its life, it just wants to be famous. It's got no cause to fight for. There's no you know, great revolution to win. It just wants to be famous for its own sake. And unfortunately, we live in a generation that just wants to be famous for its own sake. And if you think that this hasn't crept into the church, you're wrong. See, a mind that has lost focus, a mind that is no longer cognizant with the realities of this present age, such minds in the church become vainglorious. The Bible says in Galatians 5.24, they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory. 
provoking one another, envying one another. Such minds that have become empty and lacked focus become overly involved in Christian music. And I want to say some statements which I'm going to be very careful how I speak, but I'm going to say it anyway. See, the fle- there's a fleshy love of the spotlight that can actually infiltrate the church and can be one reason why Christian rap is dangerous. See, sometimes a desire for music ministry is just a desire and an attempt to be sent a stage. One time I observed a rapper in a concert who desperately wanted to be involved in the concert. He wanted to spit his bars. And when the concert sheet was handed out, he wasn't on the list. He went home. What happened to your desire to see so... I mean, do you have to be involved before you can... I'm very nervous of rappers who want to rap, but they don't want to witness. They got bars, but they ain't got no flyers. That makes me nervous. I'm, I'm being honest. That makes me really, really nervous. You know, there's a great danger in the Christian music industry. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. You know, I I was actually approached by a Christian record company. And you know what they said? Could you drop Jesus a little bit? Listen, you, you... The Christian music industry is as corrupt and wicked as the worldly music industry. And unless we remember one thing and one thing only, we will get suckered. That is this. Music is a tool for evangelism. That's all it is. That's all it will ever be. When I was in South London, before I got saved, there was a sound system called Aces International. This was a big sound system. This was the up and coming. If any of you know about sound, this was the next Saxon. They were coming up. And they had a residency at a club in Crystal Palace. 
And I often wanted to go to Aces. I thought, man, I want to go to Aces this week. But I never had the money because I was always skinned because I was always smoking weeds because I never had that money. And so when I got saved, I remember walking into church and uh, I remember meeting uh, Pastor Linford Henry. He was a Bible study leader then. Him and his wife, Lorna, they invited me to their house. And I went around their house. We had mango crumble. Those were the days. And as we were there, I remember um, speaking to him about sound system and, and sharing with him that I was in a sound called Cyrus Magic, and you know, which was in Saxon territory and, you know, southeast London all day, do or die. And um, as we were there, he starts to tell me about a sound he was in. And so, you know, he says I was in a sound. I go, oh, wow, yeah. Years go by. And I, I realize who he was. You see, that sound... A, the sound he was in was Aces International. And he was their top DJ. Dirty Harry. <laughs> Sorry. He was their top DJ. He was a legend in South London. But when he came to church, he buried that. Can you say amen? He became invisible. He became a servant. He became somebody who didn't swagger about the place, trying to get attention. Hey, do you know who I was? I was Dirty Harry, you know. It didn't do that once to me or any of us. When I got saved, I met uh, Pastor Jimmy Robinson. We became firm friends after he tried to drown me. <laughs> and we, we, we became tight. I mean, we close. And so I, I began to realize as years go by also that Pastor Jimmy Robinson, his brother is Robbo Ranks. Now, I know that means nothing to you. But Robbo Ranks is the top reggae DJ in the UK, nay, in Europe, nay, in the world. <laughs> I'm not joking, he's the top, he's the top, top DJ. And one time I was in Leeds, listening to a radio program, and all of a sudden I hear all these people on the train, let's welcome the UK number one, Robbo Rex! And you want to hear the people screaming, <laughs> people losing their minds. And I made the connection, that's Jimmy's brother. Before I got saved, there was a sound called Tipitone. They were big. That's Jimmy's brother's sound. That was Jimmy. That was them. They were in that. And I made the connection years later. Hang on. You, you, tip, but he never came church servant. Not trying to be nothing. Galatians 5.13 says this. If you brethren have been called to liberty, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Use your gifts to serve one another. We're not interested in how many hits you can get. We're interested in how many souls you can save. There's also the danger of the superstar preacher. We live in an age and a culture where personality is everything and character seems to mean nothing. All around us, superstar preachers have emerged. Men who can move the emotions. They can tickle you. They can titillate you. They can excite you. And God is in. you and so these men are world famous they have private jets they fly around the world they're financially rewarded for what they do and what they do is basically entertainment they function listen to me they function in the soulish realm you ask them to pray for the sick they'll ask you what time's a restaurant open they function in soulish realms these people are soulish the danger is when young men in our fellowship, pioneering in soggy eastern Midlands towns, begin to aspire to this. It's dangerous to change lanes too quickly on a motorway. If you change lanes too quickly, you're going to crash. 
It's dangerous to remove ancient landmarks. We must stay in our lane. We are not called to be superstars. We are called to be servants. Our reward is not in this life. Our recognition is not in this life. No one's going to big us up in this world. We're just a bunch of anonymous people doing something for God in very much in secret. And we need to stay like that. Can you say amen? I don't care how many hits you got. I want to see how many souls you can save. This is not about personal uh, recognition. This is about, uh, this, you know, the real superstars are going to be revealed in heaven. Can you say amen? We must stay in our lane. We must die to self as we live for God. We've got to grow past the desire to be centre stage. And we will when we understand one thing, and that is this. It's all about Jesus. In the text it says, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger. I was naked. I was sick. I was in prison. You cared for me. It's judgment day. And Jesus is talking to his faithful, long-term servants, specifically the ones who made it. The tragedy is there are long-term saints who did not make it. And these are the people on his left. And he says to them, you're cursed. You didn't feed me. You didn't give me drink. You didn't visit me. You didn't give me clothes. You, you didn't visit me in prison. You didn't help me at all. You didn't serve me. You served yourself. You were spots at our love feast. You were basically all about you. It's easy to get like this. Listen to me. Really easy to become this. These were long-term saints who served in church. Both sets of people. But these second set of people did nothing for God. They didn't serve God because they did not die to the flesh. They did not become invisible. They longed to be sent to stage. Because of this, they served self. Because of this, even though they were in church, they never served Jesus. They never died to self. So they couldn't live for Jesus. Are you, did you follow that? They couldn't die to self, so they couldn't live for Jesus. Are you still looking for the spotlight? Maybe it's time to just die. Give up the spotlight. Let the new converts have the spotlight. Become invisible. Go out with a soggy bunch of flyers on a soggy street and give out flyers to soggy people. It will do you the world of good. Because you will meet people who have major issues and problems. And you will say, when you walk away from that, you go, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved. You know, church is like a theater. And some people, they kill each other to just get on the stage. They think it is a theater. But it's not. In our text, the servants were too busy to even care who got the glory. They were too busy feeding people, visiting hospitals, giving clothes to the poor, doing all this stuff. They were too busy to worry about being sent to stage. And that's what the early days, I know, I know we go on about the early days of Wolfenstein, but that's what it was like. There was no time to worry about who was the main man. We were so like caught up in it. It's like, you see how many people? We'd be in the prayer room and someone would run in and say, do you know how many visitors are out there? And we'd be like, oh God, save them. <laughs> it was just a... a a sweeping desire. And it got hold of everyone who was involved in it. And it was a joy to it. There was a, a, a wonderful joy about just seeing God move like this. There's a, a group of people in our church called Frontliners. They, uh, they have a t-shirt that says, win souls or die trying. And they go out and they, they win souls. 
that's all they're all about. They will tell you the joy of seeing people saved through their ministry. A praise and worship team can tell you the joy of seeing people worship God as they do their job. You know, a, a pastor can tell you the joy of seeing people get saved. But these joys have got nothing to do with the person themselves. They're all connected with seeing other people blessed. This is the joy of the invisible person. And sometimes, you know, <clears throat> over the years, people do sort of stumble a little bit and say, well, what about me? Even though they're supposed to die, the flesh still wants recognition. So I want to I help you, if this is you. You're a long-term saint, and you struggle, and you say, well, what about me, though, actually? <laughs> Are you one of the 99 sheep? Are you a coin that's not lost? Are you an older brother? It may appear that you're forgotten, but there's a different kind of joy reserved for you. Because the Bible says God remembers his servants. Exodus 2, 24, God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Genesis 8, 1, God remembered Noah. Genesis 30, verse 22, God remembered Rachel. Genesis 19, 29, God remembered Abraham. God remembers his servants and there's a joy waiting for them. A day when he's going to rejoice, not over the lost this time, but over the faithful, over those who were invisible, over those who got on with it, over those who uh, were just kind of just sucked it up, those who just said, you know what, we're, we're in a war, those who just kept their eyes on Jesus, those who didn't get recognition, nobody knew who they were. You know, I'm convinced in heaven, there's going to be some people who are in prominent positions who nobody's heard of. Everyone's going to be looking, oh look, there's... there's there's evangelist so-and-so, but he's, he, he's at the back. Who's that old lady sitting on Jesus' lap? <laughs> Who's she? Excuse me, who are you? Well, what it was, was that I was an old lady, and uh, obviously I uh, prayed for my grandchildren, and they got saved, and one of them became uh, president of the United States. It's going to be a kind of a shocking revelation of who really was close to the Lord. People who really did know Jesus. People who really did serve him. Because, you know, uncomfortably and unfortunately, the intoxication of fame, the intoxication of being on stage, of everyone knowing who you are, that can divert many people. It can absolutely sidetrack ministries. People can actually become enraptured with their own image, appearing on TV programs and YouTube and whatever, and trying to get their profile even higher. They can become lost in this but the ones who will last they're the ones who've resolved in their hearts to just die to become invisible this joy described in the text is the joy of the faithful the theme of our conference is faithful and if we're going to be faithful we're going to have to forego the joy of this world we have to forget about the recognition of this life this planet this ain't all there is anyway. Do you know there's planets we can't even see? Who knows? We might rule them one day. Why are we so fixated with what goes on in this world? Eternity stretches before us. And one day, we're going to be rewarded. In Luke 14, we are counseled to do good works. Not for earthly reward, but for reward in heaven. Luke 14, 13. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. 
Forget trying to get recognition in this world. This, is, this should be the culture of the kingdom of God. Not living for now, living for eternity. And this is often for no earthly reward, no earthly recognition. Hebrews 11.13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now we all need, as I've said, a sense of belonging, of self-worth and a sense of accomplishment to feel appreciated. But these things are going to come for us but perhaps not here. Our appreciation is going to be in heaven. I'm going to end with a story which I'm sure many of you have heard. An old missionary couple had been working in Africa for years, and they were returning to New York City to retire. They had no pension, their health was broken, they were defeated, discouraged, and afraid. They discovered that they were booked on the same ship as President Teddy Roosevelt, who was returning from one of his big game hunting expeditions in Africa. No one paid any attention to them. They watched the fanfare that accompanied the president's entourage with passengers trying to catch a glimpse of the great man. As the ship moved across the ocean, the old missionary said to his wife, something's wrong. Why should we have given our lives in faithful service for God in Africa all these many years and have no one care a thing about us? Here this man comes back from a hunting trip and everybody makes much over him, but nobody gives two hoots about us. Dear, you shouldn't feel that way, his wife said. I can't help it. It doesn't seem right. <coughs> the ship docked in New York City. A band was waiting to greet the president. The mayor and other dignitaries were there. The papers were full of the president's arrival, but no one noticed the missionary couple. They slipped off the ship and found a cheap flat on the east side, hoping the next day to see what they could do to make a living in the city. That night, the man's spirit broke. He said to his wife, I can't take this. God's not treating us fairly. His wife replied, why don't you go in the bedroom and speak to the Lord? A short time later, he came out of the bedroom. Now his face was completely different. His face was beaming. His wife said, what happened? The Lord met with me, he said. I told him how bitter I was. <coughs> that the president... She'd get such a tremendous homecoming and no one was there to meet us. And when I finished, it was like the Lord said to me, but you're not home yet. Amen. That's all I have this morning. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.